everyone that's been through something tough knows that when you're in the thick of it, it is really, really hard to see the silver linings of what's happening. Um, what I've come to realise is that, you know, everything does happen in divine timing and for a, a perfect reason. And while we may not understand what that is at the time, we've just got to trust that, you know, it was meant to happen. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. So excited this week. We're going on a different tangent with the most beautiful soul, Roxanne McCarty-O'Kane. She's a ghostwriter and a book coach who works closely with aspiring authors to empower them to stand up and become the change makers they dream to be through achieving their goal of becoming an author. Storytelling has been Roxanne's bread and butter for the past 14 years, with a long career as a journalist for the Sunshine Coast Community Papers, the Sunshine Coast Daily, My Weekly Preview, Salt Magazine, and a contributing writer for countless online magazines and several websites, before recently transferring her skill sets into nonfiction book creation. Her emphasis on connection to her authors and honoring the uniqueness of their stories has seen her recognized in many different realms, including, you know, being finalist for the Young Person of the Year Sunshine Coast Businesswoman's Network Awards. She's won national awards. She's been finalists in business awards. And I just have to say to you, her ghostwriting services now are in huge demand. I think what's so beautiful about Roxanne is her expanding in her offerings of one-on-one power coaching sessions and small group coaching sessions to help equip any novice writer or well-revered writers with the tools they need to write their own books or even different books. And I think what you're going to love about this week's podcast is why journalism is such a powerful tool. So we talk and dive deep into what's going on around the world right now and how to actually face the world and the way that we are being told the stories of what's going on out there and to do it without the fear and judgment but also then why she probably got out of that realm and into wanting to connect more with people to help them share their stories. Now, I would say this is a fantastic podcast for all of us because whether we think of ourselves as an author or not, we all have a story to tell. We all have a legacy to leave. And so I invite you to listen to this with an open heart and an open mind because who knows, by the end of it, you might just be the next person to write their own story, whether it's for your family or to become a New York Times bestseller. I know you're going to love listening to this beautiful woman. She's delicious from the inside out. And I'm really excited to share her with you this week on the Self Love Podcast. As you can tell, it is an absolute delight and pleasure for me to bring to the show and welcome the beautiful Roxanne McCarty-O'Kane. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, sweetheart. 
Thank you so much for having me on today, Kim. Look, it's such a delight to share someone like you with this audience. One of the greatest pleasures I get out of sharing the Self Love Podcast is I get to uh, uncover, unravel and share people's stories, who they are, where they've come from, what they're about, where they go to when they're low and how they get out of those lows. And we've just found every single guest on the show has been inspirational and has something really unique. And before we get into your unique story, perhaps you could give us a little brief background as to who you are and what led you specifically into the work that you're doing today, but who you are as a person today. Would you mind doing that for us? No, of course, Kim. And um, yeah, like, like you said, everyone has an amazing story and um, and a unique one at that. You know, we can all experience um, some similar things, but the way that we perceive the world and the way that we process the challenges that we're faced with are all very unique. So, um, as you know, um, being a ghostwriter, it's not a professional you come across every single day, um, which is what I love about it. Um, and it wasn't something that I fell into easy um, as well. So there was a bit of a journey that that led me to where I am now. Um, so, I'd, yeah, I'd love to share a little bit about my story and, and how I got to where I am. So I uh, grew up in a small town in New Zealand, so Wainui Amata. It's a place that not many people have heard of. Um, and we moved to the Sunshine Coast uh, when I was 15. So my first job ever was is as a newspaper delivery girl. So I'd um, chuck on the PVC satchel bag and um, brave the weather uh, as you know, in New Zealand, it can be four seasons in one day. Um, so brave the weather and, and get the newspapers out to, to people every day after school. And, you know, I got a bit of a taste for uh, the media and I loved sneaking a bit of a stop to have a look at what the day's headlines were and that sort of thing, which I, I really loved. Um, I was a well, well up on current events at the age of 14. So, um, so then, yeah, we moved to Australia and I got a little bit waylaid from the media path when a group from the Defence Force, Australian Defence Force Academy, came to my high school and kind of gave us the spiel. And I thought, oh, this sounds absolutely amazing. Like I can go and challenge my body, challenge my mind, do something that's a little bit outside the box. And um redirected myself towards thinking I'd have a, a defense force career so I was I was training hard I was you know doing the running doing the swimming <clears throat> to, uh, riding my bike everywhere to um to get my fitness up to where it needed to be and making sure that I did the extra sessions to you know get up on the chemistry and all that sort of stuff which I wasn't amazing at but just you know trying to get that great OP so that I would have the scores that I needed to get in easily so that that was my goal and um, I had the most amazing six-pack, Kim, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I've never been able to recreate that again. Um, but I was just so focused on, that. you know, that was my plan A to Z. That was my everything. Um, so as I was getting closer to actually ap applying, uh, I found out that because I was an asthmatic, I had to do an extra examination, if you like, like a medical test. Um, they called it a stress test. So. Um, you know, I was going to do everything by the book and make sure everything was above board. So I signed myself up for this stress test. And um, that was probably one of the hardest days of my life. And it was uh, quite a young age to experience it at. So I, um, I don't have any concept of how long I was there for. <laughs> Time kind of went out the window. 
Um, but I went in there all excited. You know, this was the last thing, the last box I needed to tick to be able to get my dream, like realize my dream and, and start that, that pathway. Um, but I think, you know, I wouldn't have been in there for very long and I began to wheeze. So from the moment that first wheeze escaped from my lips, I was like almost like fighting the urge to be in a ball on the floor, crying my eyes out because I knew that I had no control over how my body responded to this. Um, so I had, you know, I'd done all the work physically, I'd done all the work academically, and this was the one thing I had no control over. And I felt like my body was betraying me, essentially. <laughs> so obviously, I didn't pass that test. I was absolutely devastated, beyond devastated. And it's the worst time for something like that to happen, because you're in year 11 and 12. And this, the question off everyone's lips is, oh, what, what are you going to be when you leave school? What are you going to do? Um, what are you going to study? Where are you going to go? And I had no answers. So it was probably one of the most difficult times I'd had to experience as a young person. And it did take a lot for me to pick myself back up and refocus and go, okay, well, obviously that door's closed and it's closed for a reason. Um, so where do I need to go now? And um, it did take some time to process all of that. And then, you know, got back up on my feet and went, okay, I've got to start making some decisions now. Where do we go? Um, obviously with my, my first job as a, as a, uh, not, not as a journalist, sorry, as a uh, newspaper delivery girl, I was speaking to my English teacher about journalism and she suggested that I give it a crack and maybe go do um, some work experience. So, you know, I, I did, did a couple of years, uh, not consistently, but in the holidays and things like that, going up to the Budrum Chronicle um, up the hill from my house and also the Sunshine Coast Daily, um, where, you know, as a 16-year-old, the most you're doing is maybe um, 100 words on a page or in the case of the daily, it was writing the pineapple puzzle solutions, which were written really tiny upside down um, on the puzzle pages. No, no byline or anything, but I was just so excited to have some kind of contribution to the daily paper that it, it just lit me up really in a big way. And being in the office environment and part of the buzz of what they call the daily miracle was, was absolutely awesome. So I knew I was hooked and um, given that I'm kind of an all-in kind of person, I then channeled everything into getting into UQ at, um, and in Brisbane to study journalism and arts, which I did. And um, then I yeah, began a career as a journalist. So um, that was where, you know, my basis for storytelling really began to flourish. I did become known as the fluff girl because I loved the human interest stories. So, you know, there's, there's some journalists who are very focused on, you know, getting into the court rounds or the police rounds or getting um, into the sport or the entertainment. But I was all about the human interest, about the, the stories behind the events and the people behind the events because that's where I found the most joy and, and found that everyone does have a story to tell and often the people with the most powerful stories are the ones that are the most reluctant to tell them. So that was my gig for 10 years and then I moved into a magazine, so writing for my weekly preview and Salt magazine here on the Sunshine Coast, also writing for 
uh, online e-zines and quite a few websites and things like that. I really expanded out as a freelancer. Um, and then I just reached a point where, you know, I'd, I'd been able to connect with some amazing people. I got some celebrity interviews and um, continuing to connect with the community. And I thought that there was something more. There was something more that I could be doing. And um, it was actually through a, uh, a coach that I reached out to that we came up with the idea of ghostwriting. So at first I, I was a little bit full of self-doubt and going, oh, you know, how, how can I step into the realm of writing books and, you know, it's a whole other beast and all of that negative self-talk was going on. But I, um, I gave it a go. <laughs> I gave it a go. Luckily, I had a friend who, um, who actually was talking about writing a book for his business at the time. And so he, he gave me a running start. And it was just so addictive. Like my inner fluff girl was dancing around the, <laughs> around the garden, just full of happiness because what I found I could do with ghostwriting was take my interest in, in telling people's stories to a whole new level because I can work with someone for three or four months at a time and really dive deep and go way below the surface to what makes them tick and what motivates them and what inspires them and how they learn lessons can go out and become beacons of hope for other people around the world who, who need to learn from them. Um, so it's, it's just been absolutely amazing, Kim. And now um, I'm a full-time ghostwriter. I have been for a few years now. And um, now reaching out to teach people how to write their own stories as well. So that's probably the long-winded version of my story, but I hope that's been um, <laughs> a good insight into who I am and, and where, how I've got to where I am now. I think it's incredible. I think it's amazing. And I think it's so wonderful. I mean, when we first moved to the coast, you were one of the first reporters or journalists to interview us um, when we launched our book, Like Chocolate for Women, and got to meet you down there in Caloundra. And we've done, we've always crossed paths and kind of seen each other and obviously really championed one another and, and looked out for each other, which is something I really love about the Sunshine Coast and particularly the business world up here it seems very um you know very caring and very honoring of one another and just a couple of things you said there that I'd, mm. I'd really love to go back to there's that that real incredible part of you as a young woman teenager all that hope and and faith into one direction of creating a career that you were really fixated on and then to have that door not only shut but slammed in your face. Mm. Um, I just, I'm curious to know with all the people that you've spoken to and your own experience, when you said, you know, that door closed for a reason, what would be your advice to the listener here when you have something so, so deep in your heart that you want to achieve, that you've got it all focused? And for whatever reason, how do you come to a place of acceptance and being able to move on? What was the things that you did that was so important that allowed you to have that door closed and yet stay focused on something new or create a positive mindset around that? How did you do that? Mm, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, to be honest, I haven't actually acknowledged the power of that until a lot more recently, um, being, you know, quite a way down my personal development journey now. Um, but at the time, um, it is, I, you know, everyone that's been through something tough knows that when you're in the thick of it, it is really, really hard to see the silver linings of what's happening. Um, what I've come to realise is that 
you know, everything does happen in divine timing and for a, a perfect reason. And while we may not understand what that is at the time, we've just got to trust that, you know, it was meant to happen. Um, I am a bit of a reformed control freak. Um, and so, you know, I, I quite often have tried to exert my influence on things to try and make it happen the way that I had hoped that it would or the way that I had planned that it would. Um, but I realized that being able to just trust and surrender and say, okay, that was meant to happen. There's something better for me around the corner. Um, that's where the power lies. And as I said, it can be hard to do that when you're in the thick of it all. Um, but, and, you know, sometimes you do need to feel angry. You do need to feel sad. And that's perfectly normal because we're all human beings at the end of the day. Um, so giving yourself the space to have those feelings and emotions, but then being prepared to shelve them and open yourself up to what the next opportunity is. So for me at the time, as a teenager, I didn't have those insights, but for me at the time, it was having that support from my family, um, particularly my mum. She was amazing because she could see, you know, the minute that I walked out from that doctor's appointment, she could see instantly that I was not in a good way and that things hadn't worked out. Um, so she was my pillar of strength and support through that. So, um, as an added challenge for me at the time, my, um, my boyfriend at the time and my best friend also, um, were trying out for Adfra and they made it through and I got left behind. So that was kind of another, another really major challenge for me to face. Um, but you know, I then had my new focus and I threw everything into that to make that, you know, my new reality. And, and obviously it was the right course for me because I've had so much joy in so many years of being able to connect and meet some amazing people just like yourself, Kim, and, um, and help them to get their messages out there. And, and that's what my calling has obviously been all along. I just didn't realise it at the time. Hard to know it when you're in it, like you said, when you're in That's the thick right. of it, isn't it? You yeah. just feel like the world is against you. Everything's against you. I like what you said, though. It's okay to be angry and sad. And I think that sometimes where some of us may go wrong, where we try and do the stiff upper lip and bury it, maybe don't deal with those anger and sadness emotions at the time. Mm-hmm. Only if we could just take those deep breaths. And I guess, is it just time then you think? Allowing time and having good people around you, like you were talking about with your mum, is it really really important then to surround yourself with the good people. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and it's about not making how you're feeling wrong. Um, so I know we can, you know, sometimes we do feel like we have to be upbeat all the time or, you know, we have to just kind of brush things off, but um, it's okay to feel how you want to feel. And, you know, time, time is an amazing tool to, to use to give you that space um, allow yourself that space to feel and to and to process and to move through. But, yes, and I feel like support, um, knowing that you're not alone in any situation, there's always someone out there that can help you, um, whether it is a friend or a family member or it might be someone you've never met before that um, comes into your life at the right time. So it's being open to um, accepting help and support from people when you need it the most. Yeah. I guess too, though, when you think about it, being a ghostwriter and a journalist, what you just said before, uncovering and going deeper, it's Mm. the painful parts of people's life and then the comeback, how they've come out of that and drawn themselves. I mean, that's the part that really inspires me that doesn't really matter so much what the story is, you know, whether you've gone through, and I'm not undermining anyone's story here, but 
could be a terrible accident, a tragedy, a loss, a, a horrible thing that can occur. Whatever that story is, I guess the most human and most beautiful part of that is their comeback, how they've drawn themselves out. Is that what you're looking for? Is that the juice you're after when you're interviewing someone? Yeah, so, I mean, everyone loves a good hero's journey, right? So, um, And, you know, storytelling for as long as, as storytelling has been around has often centred around the hero's journey. So someone going through something um, really tragic or sad or unimaginable to most people and then emerging at the other side. And, and everyone loves a good story like that. Um, what makes it absolutely beautiful to read um, stories like yourself, you, you've always been very vulnerable and very open in sharing your stories and your journey, Kim, and, and that's why I think people are so drawn to you because they, they connect with you and they resonate with parts of your story. Um, so I feel like that's where, that's where the power really lies is that, you know, anyone can tell their story, um, but it's the people who are willing to dig dig deeper and be vulnerable and share, you know, the kind of warts and all story rather than the glossy, you know, look at look how bad things were and look how amazing I am now. Um, it's to really share, you know, how you were feeling at the time, what you were experiencing, um, no matter whether it does show the light or the dark side of you. Um, and that's where people really connect with with your story and with you and when they can take away those beautiful lessons that you're wanting to share. So, yeah. Why is it some people are so reluctant to share that side of them? What do you, what do you think the reasoning behind that is then? Why do some people shut down and don't want people to know the warts and all? Um, well, there's quite a few reasons behind that. Um, it can be quite fear-based. I mean, it's it's not an easy thing to stick stick your head up and go, hey everyone, you know, look at look at my story, and and I'm going to sh- lay it all on the line. It takes a lot of bravery, and it also takes um, it. You need to be in a place where you've kind of healed from that trauma, or you've you've at, you are out the other side, and you can see the you know the silver linings or the amazing lessons that you've learned through what you've just experienced. So yeah, I feel like it depends on where people are on their journey of healing and acceptance and also whether they're feeling like they they can conquer those those fear demons that can get all of us and stop us from doing things that that can put us out there in the realm to be to be judged essentially it's a big thing isn't it when you do open yourself up and you do and i don't just mean in newspapers or journal story i mean i'm talking yeah. every day right and absolutely. i think yeah and i think what you're offering is a metaphor for life anyway for who we are and how we share and inter, uh, interrelate and connect on deeper levels but i'm really what i love about you is that you i think then it's not so much about the person sharing their story and i agree with you there's a lot of fear and it takes bravery but there's also, it's a duality, the person on the other end asking the question, whether it's a family member, whether it's your best friend or partner or, or a journalist, there is a technique, there is a, there seems to be a magic, as you call it, in the way that you draw that from somebody. So is that about feeling safe or feeling honoured, even though you might be judged by other people? Is there something in there around the safety or the way you project those questions and how we can help people to share themselves? Mm, absolutely. I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there, Kim. It is, it is a lot about feeling safe because, as I said before, one of the main things that 
conjures that fear in people opening themselves up and, and being their true selves is that they feel that they're going to be judged. Um, so it's about putting yourself in an environment or putting yourself in front of someone who you feel absolutely safe with, that you know no matter what comes out of your mouth, um, there's going to be no judgment. There's just going to be um, someone who can give you that space to speak your truth and give you, you know, the support that you need along the way. Um, yeah, so I think it's it really is about feeling safe and I've had comments from quite a lot of people that I've worked with saying that I could have a career as a counsellor because I, I just sit down with people and I I'm just must be like, you know, the calming goat in among the herd of bulls. I just feel that, that um, I come and I, I'm open, I sit down, there's no judgment and people can really connect and feel that. So, um, you know, I've inspired quite a lot of amazing revelations people you know people feel calm they speak and then they're actually amazed with what comes out of their mouth because they're just allowing it to flow and it's it's a beautiful space to be in when you can help people to facilitate those sorts of realizations and um, acceptance of their own stories and their own um, their own knowledge that they may not have even known that they had locked away in there. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's beautiful. And then to to read that, there's such an art. I mean, I know I've written a few books and I know I've written articles and all of that, but I have to be honest with you, Roxy, it doesn't come easily for me. I can speak it, but it doesn't yeah. come easily for me. So what do you think that's about when people, and then other people say they can write it, but they can't speak it. Does it matter to you how it comes out? Or is that why you're there as a ghostwriter to support someone like me that would rather (laughs) say it and then you put it into words? (laughs) That's it. Yeah. And that's right. Because yeah, I mean, you're an amazing speaker, Kim. I could, I could sit um, in a a room and listen to you speak all day because you just have this engaging presence about you and um, this natural flow in the way that you share your stories and your knowledge. So you're, you're an amazing speaker. Um, I'd love to, you know, um, emanate that one day because I'm, I'm firmly in the, the realm of being a better writer. Um, but, yeah, it, it is true that the way that you speak is not the way that people read. So um, having someone that can uh, take the, the spoken word and, and transform it into um, a, a fluid structure that allows people to, to follow the journey with you more seamlessly through the written word is, is definitely why I'm here. Um, so I actually, as a journalist, my, my ghostwriting process is through interviews. So that's what I do every day is I take the spoken word and transform it into, into the written word, into manuscripts. Um, obviously, as a journalist in the news media, that, that's also what I did, um, but on a lesser extent with direct quotes and things like that. So in a book, you can really, um, when you're speaking to someone and uncovering their stories bit by bit, uh, you really get to tap into their nuances and their turns of phrase and their sense of humour and um, be able to really incorporate that into into the story as well. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much the process. I remember, <laughs> I remember Fleur and I did a three-day <laughs> workshop and we went, you know what, why don't we just record our workshop and then we'll just get someone to transcribe it and there's the book. <laughs> yes. So yeah. we did. And I'm not joking. When we got the transcribe back, it was facetious. It came yes. across arrogant. It came, there was, you couldn't hear 
the humor. You couldn't hear the pauses. You couldn't hear the little chuckling and the looks that we gave each other on stage. And I think think it was in that moment. But I, I can tell you that what that process taught us too was to be even more mindful of the way we speak. It was a real, it was a horrible lesson to hear ourselves and see ourselves like that. But it also, I think was a great training ground on how I articulate from the stage or when I'm speaking. So, and I think what you've just said, then we each, you know, horses for courses, then honor the strengths that you have and then engage for me to have someone like you uh, in my world, or at least I can tell you everything I want to say. I want to, this is what I want to get across. And then when I tell you the meaning and then give you the story, you just magically make the meaning appear in the words. And I just, I want to publicly acknowledge you for that because I think it really is a skill. And as you can see, our beautiful listeners, this is not something that's just occurred for Roxy overnight. I think it's something that you've mastered and that you've worked really hard to achieve, which is why it's been so effortless for you to move into the ghostwriting realm. And for all of us here on the Sunshine Coast and people that know you, I think we could definitely say you're one of the best of the best. So I just wanted to acknowledge you for that because you have a real beautiful way of bringing that magic of each person's story to the written word. And and I thank you wholeheartedly. Thank you, Kim. That's really beautiful. Oh, so talk to me then, sweetheart, then all the stories that you've told and all the years that you've either been a journalist or a ghostwriter, has there been any one or two stories that have really stood out to you? And if they have, what was it about them that got to you? Like what makes you get captivated? Oh, that's a curly one. Um there are so many, so many, and um, all for different reasons. Um, I think what I've found when I think about the stories that have moved me um, and that I have remembered and that have really captivated me, it has been stories that have triggered an emotion in me. So they've either made me, um, you know, really feel really empathetic or sad they've made me feel angry they've made me laugh my head off um you know the whole the whole gamut of emotions um they're the ones that are the most memorable and you know I think if we go to a more recent one um when I was writing for my weekly preview I connected in with Tracy Morris and Annie Jones now I don't know if you've heard of them but they are the founders of No More Fake Smiles um, so they are a charity that are based here on the Sunshine Coast and they're, they're expanding out nationally. And what they do is they help um, children and their primary caregivers who um, the children have suffered from sexual abuse. So it's a very, very heavy topic and one that we are starting to see come to light a lot more in the country, which I'm really excited about. We're starting to have those really difficult conversations. Um, but Annie obviously was um, was abused when she was younger at the hands of her stepfather. And um, her mother, Tracy, stood by her side 100% from the moment that she disclosed. And I'm getting shaky just talking about it. <laughs> um, but they are two of the bravest women I've ever met. So not only are they going out there and sharing their story, which takes a bucket load of guts to do um, at the start, but they have built this charity around it and they're becoming advocates for other people who are going through the same thing. So um, having the honour of sharing their story was absolutely amazing because that was at the start of their 
um, building up the charity and being able to have a small, even a small role in helping them to get the word out there and to garner support um, is just that that's the sort of thing that lights me up is giving, empowering people to share their message. So they already had everything within them. All they needed was some help to get the message out there and, you know, being able to be, I guess, a conduit, if you can use that word, um, for people and help to give them a platform to do that. That's, yeah, that's, that's what really lights me up and being able to support and help people like Annie and Tracy is, is part of what keeps me going really. (laughs) I can only imagine. I couldn't, the stories I've read of yours over the years, I was wondering which one you'd choose because there's been so many. (laughs) (laughs) Some people have said to me over the years as I've travelled around Australia and New Zealand, you know, sharing my work, what is it about the Sunshine Coast? There are so many Mm -hmm. amazing people there and particularly the networks and obviously there's some incredible men here, but I'm just going to, you know, champion the cause here for all the women out there. What do you think it is about the Sunshine Coast that makes so many incredible stories here? What is it? Yeah, I've <laughs> I've often pondered that because I feel so grateful that, you know, my parents chose here <laughs> when we moved here when I was 15. Um, they could have chosen anywhere in the world, but we landed here. Um, and I'm so grateful for that because, yeah, there is just something about the community here and um, it seems to just attract these amazing people. Um, you could walk down the street and there could be, you know, someone you've never met before that's done an amazing, like a worldwide changing um you know, thing or be a specialist in the most amazing thing. So my my massage therapist, for example, who's based in Caloundra, she is the worldwide expert on shark um, taste, shark taste. <laughs> so, um, on what? On what? On on shark taste. So like taste buds in sharks. Oh my gosh! I know, <laughs> but you know, you only have to ask people, you know, and and get into a five minute conversation, and you can learn the most amazing things about them. Um, but yeah, there is just something about the Sunshine Coast here. There's there's a real sense of community. There's a real sense of you know wanting to collaborate. I haven't come across very much, you know, protectionism like this is mine and no one else can have it. Everyone's just so open-hearted and sharing and warm and um, particularly, you know, in the business world, everyone's happy to collaborate and support one another and, you know, that's just my jam. I just I love all of that. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the maybe it's the clean air and the ocean and the hinterland altogether. I have no idea. <laughs> but whatever it is, it's, it's purely magic. Just just to give a few of them a bit of a plug here, what do you think, like, you know, you've just talked about your beautiful massage therapist, but in the networks that we both hang out in, you know, people like Jeanette Allen-Hill that oh. came to the Sunshine Coast, I've, I've had the pleasure of interviewing her on this podcast, but just, you know, people like her, talk to me about a couple of other people in the community that have really just inspired you to continue to be your best version of you. Yeah, well, Jeanette is a prime example of that, actually. Um, I probably would give a shout-out to a couple of women who have really helped me develop myself, you know, develop my self-confidence and also helped me to, you know, get... um, launch my business and, and keep it going. And and those two women actually, I think Janine um, Howard, you just had on your show last week. So uh, she was my first business coach, an absolute powerhouse. 
um, and also an amazing supporter of, of women and business women here on the Sunshine Coast. So she's she's amazing. And also Karen Smith, who I'm now working with, who I know is a dear friend of yours as well. Um, but she's, yeah, she's just whole other level with uh, her connectedness with self and her ability to inspire others uh, to to step up and and be amazing at what they do. So what I love about Karen is she's got this beautiful balance between um, obviously she's a very connected and very spiritual person, but being an accountant, she's um, not afraid to pull me into line with the books and that sort of stuff. So with with my accounting, sorry, with the numbers, um, which as a creative is not always my strong suit. Um, but just having these women around and, you know, going to events where um you can connect with other people that have been flying under the radar that also are so, that they just have this commanding presence and this beautiful welcoming nature about them. It's just, yeah, we, we are very lucky to have the women that we have here on the coast. And when you think about those women, these these women are just a reflection of many other women around this country and around New yes. Zealand and every country. What is it that you think then when you see there's a lack of that protectionism and that competitiveness, how is that magic? How have you noticed that's different to other places where there is that high level of competition? I remember years ago reading a book. Uh, I think it was Think and Grow Rich. It was a very long time ago. But in there, I think it's Napoleon Hill, he said, you know, there's creative thinking and competitive thinking. Competitive mm-hmm. thinking means you have to take from someone else in order to achieve. Creative mm. is how do we make the pie bigger so we all get more of a bigger piece of pie. Mm-hmm. That's something that, and that's why I called my over my the umbrella business of mine. I named it 20 years ago and called it creative well-being because I love that creative mindset. You've also mentioned the word creative quite a lot in this, and that's part of your journey and your work. Mm. Is it that creative mindset that allows us to flourish and be non-competitive and non-protectionism, as you say? Yeah, I believe so. And I believe it's being confident in your uniqueness. Um, So as you know, there's, um, you know, there's, countless people out there that will be teaching you how to make a million dollars for for example um but every single one of those people will be communicating their message slightly differently so it's about feeling confident and comfortable in who you are as a person and what you have to offer because i mean even myself there's you know countless other um, journalists and ghostwriters out there um but i know that people come to me because they feel connected to me personally. Um, So it's about, yeah, I think that's what it is at the crux of it all is it's about being confident in what you have to offer and knowing that while there are people out there who are doing the same things as you, you have a a unique way of going about it and, um, and that's influenced by, you know, your upbringing and your lived experience and what you've learned and how you perceive the world, like all of those things that can't be replicated by someone else. So, yeah. I think it's powerful, that whole thing of confidence. But you don't just, some people say to me, oh, it's all very good and well to be confident, but, you know, you don't just breed confidence. You don't just breathe it and be it and all of that. (laughs) Um, So is it 
acknowledging the setbacks, making that, you know, that I love the line, there's no failure, only feedback, that really getting to know that every knockback or setback or problem or challenge that you go through is actually creating more resilience, more resoundedness, and more allowing you to fine tune yourself more. What's your thoughts around failures or mistakes or upsets or challenges then? How do we deal with those? Yeah, so um, I do believe that they're all there to teach us something, um, either something about how we perceive the world or something about how we perceive ourselves. Um, so it's, yeah, I think that's that's what it's all about. It's about being open to looking at why things, well, not why things are happening because you don't want to give things meaning where there is no meaning, um, but just being open to I guess looking at the things that are unfolding about around you and then thinking about why. I've used the word why again. Goodness me, Kim. (laughs) (laughs) I think Um, I agree with you though because there is a why and it may be not why has this happened but why has this happened in order for me to see something or learn something? There's probably just an extra sentence we add onto it, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. And it's about being open to to learning new things. Like sometimes we can, we're all guilty of feeling like we know everything and we know how things are going to pan out. Um, So it's being open to allowing that to be more fluid and having that perspective going forward is is what breeds confidence because you're not feeling like you need to um, control everything or control how everyone perceives what you're doing, for example. Um, you're like, okay, this is who I am. I know that I'm awesome. I know this is what I have to offer. And and that's what opens you up to um, to connecting with beautiful people and building relationships and, and connections that you may not have been able to had you been closed off. I want to take a different direction here. You're in the media. You have been in the media. You're a journalist. This whole world that we're living in at the moment, this whole, um, I guess, shake up. It's like we're in a snow globe right now and the whole world is being shaken up. Yeah. I, I had Marcus Pierce on the show who was a journalist as well who said one of the things that you learn in journalism and the news is that if it bleeds, it leads. So mm-hmm. the more glory, the more fear-based, the more, um, I guess, sad or you know that that real particularly around fear it mm-hmm. has it takes the lead why are we so drawn to fear-based news as opposed to feel-good stories yeah that's uh, speaks volume to the human psyche really doesn't it <laughs> um no it's true and and one of the reasons why I was happy to leave uh mainstream media and, and move into magazines and and then ghostwriting was that there was a real push towards um clickbait so um really hyping things up really um you know playing on the fears playing on the anxiety playing on the unknown um in order to get people to click through and read the story so um that really went against the grain of who I am. Um, I'm all about authenticity and, and open communication and, and that sort of thing. So um, that was one of the reasons why I decided to move away from uh, mainstream media. Um, why is it that that always leads? I guess because that's what converts the numbers. Like we're always, I don't know what it is, we're kind of almost uh, punishing ourselves. We just are drawn to drawn to the negatives rather than the positives. Um, and, yeah, I guess that's probably a, 
a question for a psychologist really to answer the why for that. Um, but the re- it, um, it's based on the numbers. So when, when media went very digital and online and they were able to monitor who was reading what, uh, they based what they turned out each day on what people were clicking through on. So uh, if I was to write a story about a couple who were um, celebrating their 70th wedding anniversary, you know, that, that might get a couple of clicks from the friends and family. Um, but then if someone, the journalist next to me, were to write a story um, about, you know, that couple, for example, uh, now having a major legal battle and, you know, really bring in, you know, the, the legal side of things or one of them had had a major accident, for example, you mentioned accidents, um, that would get a lot more clicks. So because it had the tragic element and people for some reason are just fascinated by that. Um, what that means in our current environment, <laughs> um, you know, because there's so much, uh, I guess, information, misinformation, so much coming out from all different angles about um, what's happening um, to the economy, to the world, to people's health. Um, it's just basically a huge, a huge, um, oh, yeah, there, there's a lot of fodder, let's say, <laughs> for the media at the moment. Um, so what I would advise people too is if you, if you do get very sensitive to these sorts of things, and, and I did too, when you know, when COVID first came out, I was consuming so much media because I wanted to understand what was happening. Um, But because everything was skewed in such a way, I actually found myself getting quite anxious and um, having panic attacks. So I I made a conscious decision to not read anything to do with, um, with that going forward. And, you know, my mental health has been amazing as a result. So, um, yeah, that's a long-winded and a bit of a winding answer to your question there, Kim, but um, I guess it hopefully gives people some insight into why we see the types of news stories that we do see is because it's all run off of the numbers, basically. And we have to remember that the editor-in-chief or the person running that that digital online magazine or newspaper or the, the, the big newspapers of the country or the world, we have to remember that they are also being paid based mm-hmm. on the you know the sales and the things like that so it kind of seems to be a bit of a sick mentality really when you think about mm-hmm. it I, I've been drawn into it myself you know I, I I've seen something gory and I want to see more or something so but I did ask a psychologist you might be interested to know and, oh awesome and I did ask um, what it is and it is actually a primal um, inbred thing of survival so we have mm-hmm. been bred um, to actually look for the problem rather than the the beautiful, um, not necessarily the solution, but rather than the beauty in something, our first thoughts are to look for the problem and it's survival. So mm. is there a saber-toothed tiger? Is there someone in the cave? Is there someone yeah. on another tribe trying to take over our land sort of thing? Yeah. And that kind of made a lot of sense to me that the first thing we look for is the negative in order, and it's survival, it's to protect ourselves. Mm. I think what's happened, the media with, without you know disrespecting the media, there's a place for it, of course, but I do feel like they've taken advantage of that um, the fear mongering and the fear mm. and the and the worry and the anxiety. But I agree with you. The amount of people that I work with one on one that have a lot of trauma around um, the fear and the anxiety with the news and what's happening and the unknown, 
one of the first things I'll say is turn off the television, turn off yeah. the news, stop reading yeah. it, be, protect yourself. And it is the empaths, it is the people that are really sensitive that seem to really struggle with, with mm-hmm. watching or hearing this. So really good piece of advice. And, and I'm glad you've just confirmed for us that, you know, what we read, and that's what I was going to say, that the editor-in-chief, based on all the stories that come in and all the different angles of one story that comes in, he or she then chooses the one that will go out in the 6 o'clock news or one that one will go out in the paper. And we have mm-hmm. to remember that is one viewpoint mm-hmm. based on all of those things. And yet we read something or hear something and think it's gospel. And yeah. I just, would you suggest, what would you suggest to us then knowing that there's always different angles and different ways that a story is told? What's your advice then when we do read this material or we do hear it? Yeah. Um, well, I guess you've got to be careful not to go into a rabbit hole, right? Um, because you're right, there are so many different ways of uh, perceiving a particular event. You know, you've, you've heard the saying where there could be five people that witness the same thing and they'll all tell a different story. Um, so I guess my advice would be just to um, to take anything that you consume uh, with a bit of a grain of salt. Um, so know that it is one person's perspective. It's the person, well, it's a couple actually. It's, a, it's the person being interviewed. It's their perspective. It's also the perspective of the journalist who is then shaping that content and, as you said, the perspective of um, the people who are writing the headlines and then choosing, you know, where to circulate that particular story. Um, So I would say, yeah, don't, um, if you're wanting to research things further, I would say, you know, if something is particularly um, catching your attention for some reason or another, don't be afraid to, to research it further. Um, but yeah, don't, don't base your worldview off of a single <laughs> article anytime. So yeah, that would be probably my advice. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You know, you're talking a lot before about how this can actually create a disturbance and create more anxiety and fear. Um, but then there's lots of wonderful things that really do inspire us and support us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I love your stories as well and the human interest element because I love to know the depth of somebody and and the confidence. I just want to go back to that for a minute because ultimately, and this being the self-love podcast, I, yeah. I don't know if you agree with me, but confidence also breeds out of an ability to love who you are, warts and all, like you've said. So if that's the case, that really does then that bottles down to self-love, doesn't it? Who we love, who we are, whether we're in a great place or not so great place. It's loving all elements of ourself. Is that what you believe? And if so, what is your definition of self-love? Yeah, um, no, I think you've, you've really nailed that. And I do have your your self-love, um, practice of self-love circle above my computer at home, <laughs> Kim, just to give me that daily reminder. Um, but no, I do believe that, yeah, confidence really does boil down to um, how you perceive yourself. And if you're comfortable with who you are, then you are prepared, you know, you're prepared to step up, you're prepared to be brave um, in, in any element of your life, and you're prepared to open yourself up to other people and opportunities. Um, so yeah, I think self-love is, 
is so important, um, not only for that, but also for, you know, keeping you feeling nurtured and keeping you uh, functional. Um, so I learned, I learned about the importance of self-love largely through you, actually, Kim, um, going to a couple of your presentations and then um, having your beautiful oils and your book in my house. It's, it's been awesome. Uh, you've been one of my uh, go-tos for that aspect of my personal development. And I guess I found out the hard way how important it is because as a a freelancer for a couple of years, I was pulling really long hours. (laughs) So I was uh, working, I had the the absolute um, joy of being able to work with probably about a dozen clients, but I was juggling them all at once. And it was um, being a, a mum as well, a mum of two. So I, my kids were um, kindy and daycare age at that stage. So trying to be a mum, trying to do the work, um, trying to be an um, attentive wife as well. You know, my poor husband often got left in the, in the dark. Um, but I was running myself ragged um, because I didn't see at the time the value in giving myself space and myself love and myself time to just put everything down and do something that I enjoy um which I've come to found to find is a just sitting in the bath with a book like that's my thing (laughs) so everyone has a different thing um but I was just so caught up in being busy that I didn't realize how important it was to to feed my soul and to give myself that space to just be Um, I was just doing 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 Um, so it was, yeah, going along to a couple of your presentations and um, really honing in on the message that you were sharing that I went, oh, I've actually really got to, in order to be able to do everything I want to do, um, you know, to have the successful business, to be able to run around in the garden with my kids and play soccer or, and, you know, to go on the date night with my husband without falling asleep on the table, um, I need to actually give myself some time and learn to love who I am and realize that I'm not a machine. I do need to give myself that time to just be. So I just hope that everyone listening to this will just go back, especially and listen to that last bit, because so many of us men and women all try to be the superhero of our own lives and often miss the point that if we burn ourselves out, and do berate our bodies for giving up on us. Just like you said at the beginning, when you felt like your body betrayed you, Mm. I want to reiterate the body is just a reflection of what we're putting into onto or not putting into and onto it. And so the body is a barometer for what's going on in your world. And if it's not showing up for you in the way that you expect it to, or that you feel it's betraying you, it's probably more a case of us betraying it And Mm. I just think sometimes that taking time and what you're talking about here, those beautiful, simple self-care rituals just gives yourself enough enough energy to top the emotional love tank and to really fill your heart and soul up so that you have more to give. Do you think then, if that's the case, what you're offering in your ghostwriting services now and your beautiful group coaching sessions I'm going to go, I'm going to be so bold to say that you're actually offering people an opportunity to tap into their own soul, their own self-worth, their own self-love, and be bold enough to share their story. 
whether or not someone wants it to be an international New York Times bestseller or whether you want to write your story for the legacy for your children and grandchildren. Mm. Do you think that's a fair comment to say that you're just helping you tap into source of self, that soul, and therefore sharing yourself in a beautiful, commanding, um, vulnerable way that allows us to, to get to know you better? Is that fair? Yeah, it absolutely is. And and one of the things that I guess I, I've been really focused on is that, um, you know, I've, I've called this process, I've called it the Phoenix Phenomenon, and I've also named that, um, named my interview series uh, after that as well, and, and I've been fortunate enough to have you as a guest on that. Uh, it might have been a couple of years ago now, Kim, it's been a while. Um, but I've named it the Phoenix Phenomenon because becoming an author is such a transformative process, and it is because it not forces you, but it gives you the platform to really go deep into who you are and what drives you and what you're feeling compelled to share with the world. So it is really about that that inner reflection and coming to realise how amazing you are. Like there's been so many people I've worked with that um, I can give one example. As a ghostwriter, I sign NDA, so it's all a bit cloak and dagger kind of stuff. Um, but I can give you one example, and his name was Stu Darling, and he's based in New Zealand, who I had the, the privilege of working with in 2019. And he's been very public with us working together, so I can share our story here. Um, but he came to me. He was a, um, a basically a British spy, so he worked with British military covert operations for uh, a couple of decades and then moved into business. So he came to me and he said, oh, look, I really want to share this framework. So it was going to be a very step-by-step business how-to style book. Um, and I said to him from the outset, I said, Stu, people are going to want to connect with you, not with your framework. And he didn't like that very much. <laughs> so, um, but as we started working together, he realised that the power of connection and what he, he actually needed from, from the process of becoming an author was to feel open enough to share, you know, some of the really difficult parts of his upbringing. So losing his father at a young age, um, losing people in the field, like in um, when, when on deployment and, and through covert operations. So he had experienced quite a lot of... Um, trauma and pain and and learning how to process that um, was what actually drove the development of his framework. So he didn't actually realise that until we started to dig a little deeper. And it was just so awesome to see that transformation in him and and beautifully it's one that he acknowledges as well, is that it's actually opened him up and opened up a whole new sort of avenue for his business going forward. So it really is transformation, transformational to give yourself the opportunity to, um, to delve, delve deep into what you've actually experienced, what it actually means, how it's shaped you as a person. So that's, yeah, the phoenix is obviously, you know, the rising from the ashes, the hero story kind of analogy, but I feel like it fits really beautifully with what it actually means to become an author. So you mentioned before, you know, there are, processes where you can transcribe some notes and put them between two covers yes you can do it that way but to actually give yourself the space and the time to do to actually experience what it's like to 
to acknowledge every part of you and put that in between two covers is so much more powerful. So, yeah. And you do it so, so well. I know we're coming to the end. I could talk to you for hours. You see, I'd rather (laughs) interview you than write about you because I feel like (laughs) I can talk to you in this way. So I'm just, I absolutely have loved our interview. You, You are such a beauty inside and out. If people wanted to work with you one-on-one or maybe they're sitting there flirting with the idea of writing their own book or Mm -hmm. they don't know where to start or maybe they don't have all the, you know, the time and money to to do one-on-one, but they might be interested in small group coaching sessions to Mm -hmm. actually write the book themselves. How can we find you? And can you also tell us how we find your beautiful podcast, your interviews with the Phoenix? Oh, yes. Excellent. Yeah, <laughs> it can be a tongue twister, can't it? Um, <laughs> so yes, it is all um, it is all linked on my website, which is uh, all the W's RoxanneWriter.com. Um, so everything is on there. So all of my back catalogues of the Phoenix Phenomenon interviews um, are on there. So I've had uh, obviously the opportunity to speak with the likes of yourself and. Um, Kim McCosker, who is the brainchild behind the uh, international best-selling four ingredients series. I think she's, well, she's sold tens of millions now. Um, Alan Pease, who's the body, Mr. Body Language, the body language expert, and quite a lot of others um, I've had the, the honour of interviewing. And um, it's just a great insight for people who are wanting to, I guess, get some ideas on how they've started their writing journeys, what it's mean, what it's meant for them, how they've been able to leverage off it if you're coming at it from a business perspective. So all of that is on the website. Um, I do, yeah, as, as you've said, I do offer one-on-one ghostwriting and or coaching if you're looking to get started. Um, I know writing can be overwhelming for the uninitiated so what I'm here to do is to help um, guide people and I have launched the um, small group coaching sessions which are called Ignite and Write. Um, You can also access them from the website but essentially what that is it's about creating an intimate environment for people to come along so that it's going to be very small maybe four people Um, And it's a chance for us to really dig deep into what's motivating you, what's driving you, uh, what your unique message is. And by the end of the day, you will actually have a structure that you can write to because I know one of the biggest mindset barriers for people is, you know, how do I do it? Am I doing it right? Where do I even start? So all of those questions will be answered uh, in a day session through those workshops. Phenomenal. And one of my favorite things to do, I'll make sure all of that is in the show notes. And um, one of my favorite things to ask someone like you, particularly a wordsmith like you, is what is your favorite quote at the moment? Yeah, so um, there's quite a few. And I am writing my own book at the moment, actually, which is going to be called The Phoenix Phenomenon. Um, So I'm looking at all these amazing writers who have pumped out these these beautiful beautiful quotes um but what i've found is that i have a deck of cards um gratitude cards that were given to me by a friend for my birthday um and i've had that on my desk and every morning i come in when i sit down in my writing cave and i shuffle the deck of cards and i put up whatever card i draw for the day as my inspiration and this particular card has come up i'm i kid you not probably 80 percent of the time so there's obviously a message in it that i need to hear (laughs) um and the quote is 
When it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. And that's by someone called J.K. Chesterton. So, um, Just say it one more time for us. Yeah. When it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. Oh, I love it. And it's so true because we can take things so for granted and when it's taken away from us, we realise how much gratitude we had. But rather than wait for it to be lost or taken away, enjoy it for what it is right here, right now. I really appreciate that. If there was one final message for the listener of the Self Love Podcast, what would your final tip be? Oh, um, I think it would be, you know, when it comes to self-love, it's about giving yourself, yeah, the space to to allow yourself to to fill your tank, as you said. Um, I think putting yourself up on the top of your priority list is going to be what serves you the best going forward. And it not only will have ramifications in how much energy you have and what sort of presence you have in the world, but it's going to make you feel a lot more confident in who you are and give you that really, that empowerment to be able to step up and step out and be your authentic self in the world. And everyone will see you for the brilliant person that you are. Oh, and we so see you for the brilliant and amazing, delicious soul that you are, my darling. Mm -hmm. Thank you, beautiful Roxanne. Beautiful Roxy for being a part of my world, for being so precious to us all here on the Sunshine Coast and also for allowing yourself to be loved up by every single person that gets to hear you or be in your presence. Thank you so much for being on the Self Love Podcast. Thank you, Kim. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.